was a lot of uncertainty. Um, we just made the call to say, look, guys, this is us for six months. Um, take your stuff home, get comfortable, let me know what you need. Um, but see you in September, pretty much. We'd have a lot of calls with people, but you, and it worked, but you really can't get past and you really can't, um, you can't replace just face-to-face -face comms, especially around collaboration and creativity. I'm a very trusting person. Um, like I'll, I'll take people on, uh, on their word, face value, um, but at the same time, the biggest thing I learned was you can trust, but verify. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business. But we do it from an immersive but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com well, ladies and gentlemen it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to unstoppable today the man on a mission himself anthony richardson anthony mate thanks for coming down Mate, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All the way from Rose Bay in Sydney. How is it uh, in Rose Bay in Sydney right now? 28 degrees, you tell me. Yeah, it's 28. It's sunny. It's uh, not a cloud in the sky. And um, to be honest, I'm probably going to go to the beach after this. Happy fucking Socially distanced beach, of course. Socially but, distanced yeah. beach, yeah, of course. Even the dolphins are socially distancing <laughs> these days. Mate, um, it's great to have yeah. you on here. I'm, I'm excited to, to have a chat. But um, for those people who don't perhaps know who you are, like a question I always ask my uh, my guests is if you're at a dinner party, now clearly your you know, Ausfit is quite a popular brand. You know, I know that your business has taken off, especially when you did the, the deal with the, the US military, you became, you know, pretty much a, a household name in the fitness industry, you know, almost overnight. But when you're at a dinner party and you're sitting down, there's eight people at the dinner party, no one knows who you are, the room goes quiet, the attention turns to you and someone says, Anthony, so what do you do? How do you answer that question, mate? Uh, um, it's, it's actually a, a really good question. Um, to be honest, sometimes I just say I'm a plumber because <laughs> nobody ever wants to know how your day is. Um, and then, then they just go to the next guy. <laughs> um, so, um, but when, when, when the question is a serious question and they do want to know what I do, um, I, I kind of just pick whichever business is relevant to them, to be honest. Um, and I don't like honestly using the, the term entrepreneur. I, I just feel it gets a bit of a bad stigma attached to it sometimes. Um, I just, Pick something that's it's that they're going to relate to, um, and then I expand on that. Especially if I've got to sit next to them at a dinner party. <laughs> yeah, right. So, how many businesses are you involved in right now, and what are they? Uh, at the moment, there's uh, three. Um, so, there's Curity uh, Three Technology, um, which plays in the Martech space. Uh, it's an app uh, as well as a SaaS platform for brands and agencies. Um, that's Martech social media marketing that space. Uh, then we have uh, Osfit Torsion Bars, which plays obviously in the, the fitness fitness space. Uh, and then we've got uh, Coop, which is um, a new one. Um, this one we actually don't launch yet. So you're actually the first guys to hear about it, which is pretty exciting. So mm. we've got our, uh, our first space opening up in Kingsgrove. Um, and that's uh, we work, but for the people who actually work, which is good. So we've got so what we learned with Ausfit was was early days. It was like we had we had a, a co-working space we were paying for. We had warehousing and 3PL. Uh, and then we had to pay for studios um, to get content live. And obviously content is king these days. So we had all these outgoings and we're like, let's just bring them all together. If we need to do a shoot, 
we needed to drive out to the warehouse, which was usually about 40 minutes to an hour, pick up the stuff, come back, then book the, the studio, um, shoot it to get things live and usually about a week to 10 days. Um, so this is essentially co-working. It's got fulfillment, content creation. It's got a home studio. It's got a kitchen. It's got a gym. Uh, it's got a cyclorama. It's got everything in there. Uh, and it's got office space. So no, you can go grab your product, shoot all your content and have it live in a couple of hours. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah. So cool. it's a co-working space with a difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And yeah. is it called coop as in chicken coop? Yeah, chicken coop. Generally, because if you're in that startup realm, there's shit everywhere. So it's like <laughs> a chicken coop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's where we go. Yeah, that's where it come from. <laughs> and lots of fucking clucking hens around you. Mate, um, I've gone through the notes <laughs> yeah. here and uh, I know you've got a bit of a story, but where, where does it all begin for you? you know, even before your, your military service, like when you look at your life, like what's the earliest memory that you have? Um, the earliest memory um, would be I, I grew up in Yass, um, a small small country town, kind of four thousand people, um, so, so not a lot. And I grew up at um, at Good Hope. My parents owned a, a tourist resort down there on the river, and it was great. My my earliest memory is honestly just running around open free lands. Like it was great. School holidays would come, the kids would come down with their parents for holidays, and I'd get a bunch of new friends every school holidays I get to play with. Um, obviously I went to school, but that was the highlight. That was the best part. Um, and it was, I guess it was just the, the lenient kind of that country living lifestyle. Whereas mum wouldn't have an, any idea where we are. We're around on the property somewhere. And when dinner's ready, we just get a bell and we'd hear the bell and like, Oh shit, dinner's on. We've got to run. <laughs> so we'd have to go home. So that was, that was the, the that's the lifestyle I, I really love. Like that relaxed wow. country lifestyle. Um, and that's definitely the earliest, earliest memory for sure. And how long, yeah. how long did you stay out there? To what age did you stay in the country? Oh, I stayed there to about, um, geez, eight or nine. Um, my parents divorced. My mum moved to Wagga. Um, I went to school in Wagga. Um, bounced around a lot, moved around 15 times um, from, uh, from Yass to Wagga, then other homes and different schools and kind of all over the place. Never really had those, um, I guess, those mates that you're like, oh, I've been to school with this guy from kindy all the way through to high school. Just, just didn't, didn't happen. Um, it's uh, moving schools, moving homes, um, and then, uh, yeah, reestablishing those friendships and stuff, I guess. Um, so, so, but grew up in Wagga and then went to Navy. And so you, you joined Navy straight out of school? Yeah, straight out of school. Yeah, yes. Uh, finished school in October and joined in, um, in March the following year. So you went all the way through to year 12? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did year 12, yeah. And so yeah. what attracted you to the Navy? Um, to be honest, I think it was, I was either always going to go army or Navy. Um, my brother, he's in the Navy. Uh, he's been in the Navy for about six years longer than I. And when I was showing him the different options, like different roles I wanted to do, uh, and really getting it from him. Okay. What do these roles really entail? What they put up on online defense force recruiting isn't probably what the job is going to be. So I really wanted to get it from the guys doing the job. Is this something I should, I should do? Is this something like, does this description really show you and tell you kind of, um, what the job's going to do uh, day to day. And uh, anyway, he, with the decision, I just said, this is what I like, like shooting, like blowing stuff up. I'd love to go into something like that. So he's like, yeah, definitely go down the Navy road um, and think about it. You're not going to get stuck at places like Puckapunyal. You can, you're always near the water. So anyway, that's a good point. Yeah, good point. Um, so that's why I decided Navy. Um, so it was, yeah, it was good. Um, my grandfather, um, both grandfathers on both sides, um, my, my mum's uh, uh, adopted and my dad's an orphan, so I don't really know too much of my family. Yeah, wow. Um, but 
it's uh, from that side, there's a lot of military in, in, the, in the history that we do know. Um, so I think it was always going to go down that path to some extent. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't regret a day of it. It was, it was really good. And where did you end up in the Navy? Uh, I ended up with um, mine warfare. Um, so mine warfare specialist based mainly in, in Sydney uh, at HMS Waterhen, uh, which is in Waverton, just on the north side. Uh, the thankful thing around that role was you, you're always based there. You, you rarely move around. Um, the mine hunters in which you serve on, they're, they're not based in, in kind of Darwin or Perth or Brisbane or, or Cairns. They're always in Sydney, always based at Waterhen. Uh, so you don't get that normal posting cycle of kind of two years, you're into a different location and normally a different state as well. That didn't happen. Um, so I was there um, for, geez, nine years, 10 years. Um, yeah, wow. And just always at the same base. Yep. Did you progressed at, at one stage to the Special Forces, Special Operations Unit, is that right? Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't serve in Special Forces. Um, right. I went over and I did the, uh, the selection course, um, right. I passed the selection course. Um, and it's actually really interesting when, when I went – to do the course, I trained for about two years for the course. Um, amazing course, learn a lot about yourself, a lot about um, the unit specifically um, and the roles that, that it has to uh, perform. And it's interesting when you're getting ready for the course, um, you don't get, you don't think about actually doing the job too much. Um, and that might sound weird, but then you think when you're on the course, everything's going to be go, 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 go. But it's the complete opposite. There's a lot of time to think during the course. And when you're sitting there, you're like, shit, I've actually kind of just started this business um, on the side and I had something else going at, at the time. Um, is this something that I really want to be doing? Um, I think I was 25 at the time and there's a lot of blokes there much older than me. I was one of the youngest and I'm like, shit, I, could, I haven't even traveled Europe. I haven't smoked weed in Amsterdam yet. I want to like chill out before I go into something so hectic. <laughs> and uh, and that, was, that was kind of what was going through my mind and you get a lot of time to sit there and think and um, yeah, that's why I was just like, you know what, like, I'm, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pull the pin and I'm going to leave. Um, so yeah, after the, after the course finished, it was 10 days. Um, and yeah, I decided to, you know what, this isn't for me, return back to the Navy and looked at taking a gap year and they offer gap years. They still do now, which is great. Um, so I could take that gap, no leave, uh, sorry, leave without pay. And, and in that process, one of my mates was like, Hey, you train every day, train every morning, train every evening why don't you just start a boot camp and earn a bit of cash on the side and, uh, and then that'll just fund your trip to, to Europe as well. I'm like, it's not a bad idea. So I did that and I got a couple of clients, a couple of corporate clients and then it just grew and grew and then the boot camp became a business in itself and I'm just like, shit, I can't leave now. I've got this business. I've got 60 clients running a boot camp. Um, I'm making more money from that than I am from Navy. It, uh, it just didn't make sense. So I actually never went overseas. <laughs> So when you were in the special operations training, you, you already had a little something on the side. What was what was that? Uh, that was um, that was called Fit Dollars. Um, that that never went to market. Um, it had probably worked pretty well now, given that the landscape of um, of frequent flyer points uh, essentially was taking um, large scale loyalty systems like frequent flyer points, um, flybys, all those kind of things that like were these rewards, and bringing them into the small boutique gyms. Um, at the time, you could. The, the biggest expenses you had in your household was obviously your rent, um, food, electricity, these kind of things. Um, and then when you take out of those living expenses and you look at your gym, it's the biggest luxury, it's the biggest lifestyle expense at the time. Yeah, um, right. People were spending F45s obviously booming at the time and they kind of re reshifted everybody's mindset, re reestablished everybody's mindset into uh, 
moving away from being a race to the bottom, whereas the any times we're looking at, we can do $9 memberships for, for a fortnight or whatever it was. It was it was really, really low. And then F45s came in and completely wiped it. It was then 60 bucks a week. This is what you get. And everyone's like, oh, shit, no, I'm, I'm used to paying 9 bucks a week. So that expense, that, that kind of leisure expense of your gym um, got really, really high. So we wanted to bring in uh, essentially a loyalty system that was nationally recognized um, into that space. Yeah, wow. Uh, and that's that's where it was. What a fucking smart mm. idea. Okay. And so you... you, you it's still there if you want to do it. <laughs> mate, I've got my fucking hands full. Trust me. I'm not looking for any new ideas right now. I'm sure you're probably... <laughs> Tell me about it. It's sitting on the shelf. <laughs> it's so funny because I had a, another business uh, called K2 Capital where I get people pitching me stuff uh, who were trying to raise capital. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you obviously got to sign the NDA and they're like, oh, look, I'm, you know, just, just promise me you're not going to steal my idea. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I can absolutely guarantee the last thing I want to do right now is start another fucking business. I've got a, a, enough on my plate. I'm sure yeah, you can yeah. relate. So, mate, you, uh, you get out of the special operations course. You start your boot camp. You're on your gap year. What happens next? Um, well, in that process, I was – the gear that I had to run the boot camp was old secondhand gear, whatever I could find on Gumtree keeping costs low. I didn't want to really invest in it at the time. It was just something to make a bit of cash. Um, and that was it. And then it, I got uh, Diageo um, as, as a client. They were coming in. Their staff were coming in. I got I moved. I, I jumped from from about 20 to 60, um, 60 members um, really quickly. And I was like, shit, if these guys are investing in me and giving me their time and, and they want to train, I need to invest in the equipment. So I went out, I bought some more gear and started to invest in things and building a website and actually putting effort into a business rather than a hobby. And I started looking at the weights. And during the selection course, you use torsion bars. Torsion bars have been in the military for a decade. Um, but they've never been commercialized and they've always just been rusty pieces of steel. Uh, so I looked at where I can buy these and obviously they weren't available. Um, I just went to a local, local steel market and just bought some. Um, powder coated them myself, um, did all the work myself. And they were great. The guy who was around the boot camp at the other end of the park was like, where'd you get these things from? And I'm like, I just made it. He's like, can you make me some? I'm like, sure. So I made some for him. And then the guy at the other end of the, the oval wanted the same one, so I made them again. Um, and then I had a couple of, of samples. I took them back to the Navy knowing that when we're training on, on the quarter deck of the ship and the ship is rolling around, it's uh, you really have to watch those weights because they're round, they're going to roll and they go off the side of the ship all the time. Uh, so one, you're going to lose your gear, and the other one, it's a bit of a trip hazard if they're, they're rolling around the deck as you're trying to trying to do your workout. So we needed something that was square so it wouldn't roll on the ship. Then um, obviously that comes into just the commercial space too. It's easy, you can put it on the ground, it's going to roll. So I designed these, these samples, um, and I made three samples, and they took me about – took me about 20 days, honestly, to make them. And uh, I took them back to the Navy and said, guys, this is what I got. What do you think? No, yeah, they're pretty cool. We've got a ship leaving for the Gulf tomorrow. Uh, if you can get us 10 of each size um, by tomorrow, um, I think it, was, it wasn't tomorrow, I think it was like a week. I had about a week to get. Um, but it was a really, really short timeline. And uh, I mean, if you can get them to us by then, we'll do it for sure. And uh, we can trial them, we'll see how they go and uh, make a decision after that. And I left, I'm like, yeah, no problem, I can do that. And then uh, <laughs> I left the meeting and I was like, fuck, how am I going to make 30 of these things when three of them just took me almost a month? And uh, so there was, there was a few sleepless nights and, um, yeah, got them to them and they loved them. The initial ones were they, they rusted at sea. It was a pain. We need to change a few things. Um, but I had the hook in. The hook was in and I, all I need to do was just reel them in there. Uh, and that was it. Yeah, right. And so what, what, had, where did you go from, from selling 30 bars to the Navy to, to blowing up to a $7 million business? What's the, what, what's the, what's the intermission story? Yeah. 
Mate, to, to be honest, I think it was um, social media absolutely helped. Um, that definitely helped pushing it out. Um, we used um, we, we used influencers, we used um, just advertising, and then just even all the guys on the ships using them. We started selling to um, a lot of ships really quickly, and then we sold to one ship, and then the other ship would see them, and then the, the personnel on those ships would buy them for home. Um, it just grew organically really, really quickly. Um, that was just the Navy. Then the Army picked them up. Then the Air Force picked them up. Then we went they, – they'd do a cross-deck over to uh, – onto like another nation ship. They would train. Um, whenever you work with another nation, you always do a lot of PT with them. So they would see them. They'd be like, oh, what's this? And they'd be like, oh, that's it. And then they would find out about it. They'd put an order in. So we had orders coming out of our ears for a lot of military units. Um, and then that's not even the, the reservist units. Um, guys meet once, once a month. Um, they want to do a bit of PT before their parade. Uh, that kind of stuff. And then they started buying them as well. So um, it just, yeah, it grew, it grew a lot. Uh, a lot of that growth then went into, and this is where, where a lot of the, the social came from, um, that social awareness grew overseas. We were getting three or four requests a day coming through from, uh, from requests for overseas, a lot of Europe, um, like Argentina even, uh, a lot in the States. So the majority were in the States. Uh, and where they were coming from was, essentially just saying, we want this product, but can you supply to us over here? So we went to Ursa, we had a look around. There was a lot of, lot of tie kickers in terms of distribution. And really, they just wanted to add another product um, exclusively to their list. Um, and they didn't have the time to promote it. Um, all they wanted to do was make it look good on their website. That was it. Um, and we learned that. That was one of the biggest mistakes we had. Um, we were really keen to hear what people could do and how they could help us enter these new markets but they had no ability to deliver. And we learned a lot of those lessons, um, quite costly lessons, to be honest, um, the hard way. Uh, so we just ended up just doing it ourselves. Uh, we went over to the States, we set up distribution um, in Indianapolis, and I went over there and I did a tour for two weeks. Um, I drove from Indianapolis to New York, down to Pensacola, um, up through kind of the the, uh, the southern states there and, and did the same on, on, the, uh, on the West Coast, so around, um, from uh, San Fran all the way down to San Diego uh, and just did workouts, visited gyms, um, did one at the Pentagon, uh, went, went to um, Norfolk and it's great. Sold lots of gyms, sold, sold even more to just home users um, and then the military as well. And so how long did it take for you to, to fully blow up? Did it, just, did it blow up straight away or what, over what period of time did it until, because I think you got an order, was it for 100,000 units or something from the US military? Is that right? Oh, I got that wrong. Uh, no, that was that was the uh, hundred, uh, to hundred thousand active um, personnel at the base right. at Norfolk. Yeah, right. Um, it was just a massive workout. Yeah, we did one there. We did one in um, in New York as well. Um, but the biggest orders, I would say, um, the biggest bulk orders um, come from just fitting out the Aussie Aussie Navy straight away, um, and that was that was a fair bit because they ordered just how it's structured um, and the purchasing process um, is. You can do it either by unit um, or you can do it for a, uh, a fleet, essentially. Yeah, wow. um, and getting those fleet orders, um, yeah, they're, they're the big ones, um, which is awesome. But at the same time, I think for any for any fitness equipment product, um, that holy grail is still B2C. Um, you can go B2B, it's much harder. You're working with people's budgets, their timelines. Um, it's really difficult. Uh, but hitting that B2C market, which is where we, where we really um, where we, we really focused essentially, um, especially since COVID. Um, but I would say if I was to pick a year, it probably would have been 2017, 2018 um, is when it really boosted. Yeah, right. Uh, we, we, we sold a lot those years. How yeah. many were you selling roughly every year, if you don't mind me asking? 
Um, honestly, I'd, I'd have to have a look. Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think, yeah, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, I, I'm honestly not sure at all. The, the, the various, because we have nine SKUs, um, each container we bring in, um, we, we fit around 22 ton of bars. Yeah, wow. um, and that's the downside to them because they are so heavy. Heavy. Um, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain, uh, but we've got the, the eights, tens and twelves and the twenties. They're definitely our, our biggest sellers. Uh, so we, at times there, we were just bringing containers of eights, tens and twenties. Um, and that was it. Uh, the sixteens and eighteens don't sell as much. Um, and generally a lot of guys just see it as obviously empty barbell, 20 kilos. Um, that's, that's the heaviest that doesn't go heavier, probably won't, won't get one. Uh, and then it's really funny seeing at the, uh, um, like the fitness expos where people walk past, they'll see a 20 kilo, they go to pick it up and, uh, there's like, holy shit, this thing's heavier than it looks. Um, and obviously being a wider grip, 60 mil grip, um, kind of throws it around a little bit. Yeah. And so how's the business running? It's business is humming along now. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, we, we're just changing, changing direction. Actually, we've got some exciting things we're going to push out in November. Um, we've, we've changed a little bit. We were obviously a single product company um, doing well with a single product, but that will only last for so long. Um, and and le- learning from others, which we try to do more often than not, is if you look at TRX, for example, TRX sold a lot of TRXs very early. And then a lot of people had TRXs. And then you see they went into variants of that TRX strap system. And then they went into kettlebells, they went to medicine balls and everything else. Um, so it's a single product uh, company will only last um, so long. Uh, and we were getting people come to us with a big shopping list of items and we were fulfilling 10% um, and obviously getting 10% of that, that, um, that overall revenue. So we really need to focus on what else can we do? Um, and is this brand where we think it is? What else can we do with it? Um, and as I said before, you get different ideas pop up every day, every week. Um, and really focusing on the ones that are going to make a difference um, is what we want to do. So we brought in other other products really around the tactical strength side of things. Um, so focusing again on our roots on the military side. Uh, and one of those products was a, uh, a simulator weapon, essentially for an M4. Uh, so when, when training, you've a lot of these benchmarks, a lot of these fitness assessments, they rely on you essentially completing a, uh, a, a timed run. Uh, with weight. So that weight may be uh, eight kilos. The distance might be 3.2 kilometers um, with uh, eight kilos of webbing and a simulated weapon. Um, but you're, if you're a civilian going for a direct entry, or something like that, or even if you're actually in the military training for something in the special forces area, um, then how are you going to get hands on a simulated weapon? So, and again, in New South Wales, they're illegal. You can't buy them. Um, in Victoria, they're a little bit more relaxed. Uh, but if you're in the military and they have simulated weapons available for you, they actually have to be stored just like an actual weapon. So yeah, wow. they take up room, prime real estate in the armory. Um, if you lose one, it's just like losing a real weapon. Um, so ultimately, they're a pain in the ass. Uh, so what we looked at is these things are just rubber guns. That's it. They weigh the same. They look the same. They're just red or they're blue. So we cut off all the elements you didn't need that made it look, really look like a weapon. Uh, and we looked at the pistol grip. We looked at the handle. And that's it. And then we designed it um, and we made it essentially a clamp system that clamps over the top of a four kilo and a six kilo bar. Uh, and then we put price tag on it, took it back to the military and said, those red guns that are taking up half your armory and they cost you about 600 bucks a pop, you can get rid of those, this costs you 200 bucks and you can store it in a trunk out the back. Um, no logistics, no oh, wow. accountability. Uh, and they're like, brilliant. Um, so we can't sell those kind of products under the Ausfit Torsion Bars banner. So we're doing a bit of a reshuffle. Um, when did you bring that product out? Yeah. 
Uh, that one actually came out about two weeks ago. Yeah, wow. Um, so it was pretty good. I've been working that design for a while. Um, so M4 design to begin with, um, it's the widest used weapon, especially across uh, across the states. Um, and we trialed it last year at uh, in October um, in Quantico with the Marines. They do uh, a hit championship, the, the high high intensity tactical training uh, championship, where they just get the fittest Marines from around the around the states. They bring them together, they smash them over three four days, and uh, yeah, I'll, the weapons were used in that um, in those those fitness trials, uh, which was really cool. It was awesome to see and brilliant feedback. So yeah, we're over the moon. So we decided to push them, put them into uh, mass production this year, um, and they land in ten days. Fantastic. Which is awesome. <laughs> and have you so, had, you've had decent orders come through so far yeah. from Australia and the US? Yeah, they've been pretty good. So at the moment, um, yeah, the, the initial order was only um, for us, just as a minimum, to test them out. So we bought in a thousand, um, and that's it. We've sold two hundred of those already, and they haven't landed. Wow. Um, the actual orders from the military are still out on trial, so they're still testing them. Um, but they have bases have hundreds of these of these red guns. Um, so I dare say that they'll come through over the next few months um, and we'll just have to put them into mass production again. Um, but this is something that obviously all of our products at the moment are made overseas. Um, it's something that we really want to bring home back to Australia. Um, we've been focusing on that for a while now, um, but it's, it's really difficult um, to, to get it in, keep the price points without jacking up the retail. Yeah, right. So you, did you say you want to bring manufacturing into Australia? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're focusing on at the moment. We've been looking at for about a month now. Um, the best places we can do it. Um, the government are supporting certain regions at the moment. Um, obviously, if we bring this back into Australia, then move it regionally out towards Wagga or somewhere like that. Um, how can we kind of build out a bit of a win-win situation there? Um, but it, again, it, it all just comes down to just cost. That's it. Yeah, right. And so you, you've um, you've got some other other SK, other SKUs that are coming out the end of this year as well. Yeah, the, the new brand, um, that'll get launched on, on November. Um, I'm not going to share that yet, but it'll uh, so you're launching that, a new come brand on November together. 1st, which is really exciting. And that's going to be yeah, a new brand yeah, together, yeah. separate from Ausfit? No, it will be uh, it'll be Ausfit. It'll be rebranded Ausfit, oh. uh, which is really exciting. Um, it's apparel, more products. Um, it's uh, the works. Um, a lot more, a lot in the tactical space, um, range bags, purpose built for operators, um, stuff like that, like designed by operators. Um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting stuff. Wow. So you're going to get into the tactical supply gear, tactical supply business as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Happy fucking days, mate. That's great. And you've also got um, a couple other businesses that you've started as well. Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, Q83 um, <laughs> completely different to, uh, to anything tactical. <laughs> very, very different. Um, but as I touched on, like what helped us really get the word out there of the, the, product like torsion bars um and those things just sold themselves like i'm not a salesman to sell that i just simply just hand it over somebody who's interested oh what's that thing i just throw it to them and like oh that's cool i get it i understand its purpose um and i understand its benefits but when it came into sharing that in a digital format we used pts we use social media and we're looking 2015 2016 now uh it was early days for for kind of Instagram marketing, social media um, marketing, all that kind of thing for me anyway. And I would use people based on recommendations from friends. You should use this guy. He's got an awesome following. He's really good. He's, I love his workouts. Uh, so we're looking at the content. What kind of content were they producing? And then we had, what's the distribution like? Are we actually going to get this awesome content in front of people who are going to buy the product? And 
at the time, before we started really understanding a process, we were just engaging in influence marketing out of the fear of missing out. That's it, just FOMO more than anything. People were talking about it. It was a hot topic. Uh, we had no idea how to qualify or quantify anything, let alone how much we should pay these guys. So it was really difficult. We would work with a bunch of influencers, get very different mixed results. The ones that would work, we thought would work, didn't work at all. The ones that we thought that wouldn't work, worked brilliantly and sold heaps. So it was really, really, really weird. So we, we sat down, um, actually said to Tone, so I said, said to Tone, a finance director, and I said, mate, I've got an idea. And he's like, no, we have this other business that's doing really well and it takes up a lot of fucking time. So no. <laughs> and uh, and we're actually on our way to FIBO um, over in Germany for one of the fitness, fitness shows. And, uh, and I hit him up again on the plane because then he couldn't escape. And, uh, and I was like, hey, I'm going to show you what I, what I mean around this Q83 thing. And he's like, all right. So I showed him and he's like, I get it. Uh, so we, we took some dollars from OzFit, started it, started moving it around a little bit to see what it was like, really understanding that that influencer marketing space. Um, we knew it from a brand's perspective, but we didn't know it from an influencer's perspective or an agency or a talent agency's perspective. So there was a lot of learning that, that needed to be done, uh, especially in building out a platform. Um, and that platform was essentially going to become the conduit of communication. So it was there to be an authentication, a verification platform for influencers to share their value. So for instance, if I want to work with influencer A, I'd say, hey mate, can you sign up to this? It's free, it doesn't cost you a thing. It just gives me a little bit of insight as to what I'm going to get by working with you. Aside more around the distribution, yeah. aside from the creative, I can see by joining what creative works with your audience. Um, a perfect example is that, of that is, if we look at a lot of females on Instagram, they really fall into the fashion and beauty brackets. And generally, they always go to go together. Uh, but on, on, on Kitly, which is our new app, um, you can really see what works. It separates out the highest performing to the lowest performing. And generally, there's a really clear distinction around fashion works, beauty doesn't. The top 12 performing at last 100 posts might all be dresses, full length body shots, dresses. The last bottom 12 might all just be makeup. That's it. So it's really clear what your age, what your audience loves and where you should focus your time. And if I'm investing in you and I'm going to put some dollars into creative, well, then I'm going to go in dresses, not makeup. Or the other talent that we're going to use out of the 10, so to speak, um, they might be the complete opposite. Um, so dresses may not work there. Um, and that's what we were seeing with, um, with the fitness space. Videos versus photos. Uh, obviously, it's Instagram. Skin works. Shirtless shots with the torsion bar, always brilliant for awareness. Um, but showing how to use the bar um, was, was really, really difficult. Obviously, it's, it's all through video. Um, but that's where, that's where the, uh, the idea of Q83, now Kitly, um, has come from. Um, so really sharing that value and authentication, um, knowing what brands can actually invest in and, and forecasting those, those returns before we, we put any dollars down uh, was really important. That's really fucking smart. So when did you launch that? Uh, we, we launched that initially back in, um, that was March 2019. Um, that was one product. It was Q83 technology. Uh, that was it. If you jumped on the website, it essentially, it, it straight away asked you, are you an influencer, your talent agency, your PR or a brand? And we're pigeonholing our users. But on the same platform, we have direct API access into all the channels, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. At the time, we didn't realize how hard that was to get. This was following... When we first applied for that, that was straight after Cambridge Analytica. So Cambridge Analytica happened in essentially June, July, it was finalized. We got access in August. 
one of the three only companies in the world to have that access. Um, it was crazy. We didn't know what that was at the time. We're just like, oh, we've got it. And we sat in front of the IAB in the UK and said, we get first-party data. It allows you to have 100% accurate insights into anybody who authenticates, making sure that data is secure and they've provided access to the data. And they said, no, nobody has that. The room of 20 were like, no, 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 you can't get first-party data. And we're like, give me a minute, logged in, showed them, and they're like, oh, shit, they have an API. That's amazing. Um, so that really changed. That really turned the table for us. Um, and then from there, but authenticating was one part of it. And that was very much on the influencer side. So adding significant value to the talent was really important. But then on the same platform, we're speaking to the brand and we're saying, hey, guys, jump on, authenticate who's, who you should invest in and who you should invest in. Yeah. So it really looked like we were putting the talent on trial in a way, yeah. which we, we, we weren't. But the wording was quite difficult. Two very different markets on the same website. It just had to go. So we, we went back to the drawing board and said, all right, we've learned a lot of the last two years. What do we need to do? We need to build an app. Everyone's on the phone, easy to communicate um, with the talent agents. If you're, if you're managed, um, you can just no more sharing of screenshots. You can just link into their account. Um, you can create media kits in it. You can invoice from it, manage your collabs, your deliverables, everything. Um, so we, we designed that and we built that. We spent eight months doing it um, and we just launched that two weeks ago. Um, that's for talent, um, essentially just productivity. And what's, in the one app? App. what's the app called again? Heal, heal. It's called uh, Kitly. So the whole kitten caboodle, which is where that came from. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's um, – and then there's Kitly Business, uh, which is for the business side. Yeah, right. Um, and that's where you manage your talent databases and, and everything else. What a great tool. I'll have to actually check that out. And, so, and you've only, up until launching that as an app two weeks ago, how was that side of the business going? I'm, I'm assuming that was like a subscription model? Yeah, sub subscription model. Um, yep. Uh, it's, it was going really well. Um, heaps of teething problems, a lot of learnings, um, splitting out. We knew that at that time, as, as I was saying, that moving out into two different products under the same banner. Q83 technology still exists as a company name. And these are two of our products, Kitly being the flagship. Uh, they're going well. They're not profitable yet. Um, we hope to be profitable by, by July next year. Um, and we're just in there learning. We've got about 100 downloads a day at the moment, um, both Android and, and Apple, uh, which is which is pretty good. We're starting at about 10 um, from from last week. So it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly growing, which is, which is really good. But... Let's just wait and see. It's, it's early days. As you know, a lot of shit can happen in these uh, these early months. Yeah, so. yeah. Mate, that's exciting. And what else? And you've yeah. got anything else coming out? Uh, no, just just the coup. Yeah, that's that's it. Um, so we, we launched that one on the uh, on the 1st of uh, October, um, which is really good. So we've only got 10 spaces. So we're very limited as to the people who come in and, and what their business model is. Um, did COVID fuck with that at all in terms of your how you how you plan that out, how you set that out, the number of people you're able to bring into it? Uh, a, a little bit. Um, luckily, we got a massive space. We've got 900 squares um, in Kingsgrove. Um, so we've got a huge amount of space down there. So And it's a huge open room. Um, the, the studios definitely, absolutely, confined space. We just do that four square meter rule as to how many people can go in. Um, but there are waiting rooms. If you're using multiple models, um, you can churn them out and they have certain, like maybe the photographer, director and the model in the room. Um, but the rooms are still um, 30 square meters. So you can still have quite a few people in there, um, which is pretty good. Um, but mate, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a whirlwind with getting Coop off the ground, especially in COVID, um, having guys work from home. We picked it early with, we're in Watso, um, in Piemont with Q83 right. and 
it works really well, but we all moved home before the restrictions got put in place. Um, I know a lot of a lot of companies are kind of giving fortnightly updates as to to the staff like what's what's going to happen. Should we go back to the office? Shouldn't we? What's happening? There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, we just made the call to say, look, guys, this is us for six months. Um, take your stuff home, get comfortable, let me know what you need. Um, but see you in September, pretty much. Um, and it was a little bit of a shock to begin with, but. After a week, we were we were set. This was home. Like this was my office where I am now. Like this is it. Um, so I'd I'd just come in here and I'd get my shit done. I'd we'd have a lot of calls with people, but you, and it worked. But you really can't get past, and you really can't um, you can't replace just face to face comms, especially around collaboration and creativity. And um, yeah, you you really need it. So we come into the office when we need to. Um, we're really relaxed with that. We're very uh, outcomes focused. So. If, uh, if it's 40 degrees on Monday and you don't have much to do, then fuck, go to the beach. I don't care. Um, but if you get to Friday and you haven't got your shit done, then we'll, we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation. But it's uh, it's really chilled. So we come to work when we need to and we stay home when, if we can. That's it. And what have been your biggest lessons to that? You've, you've clearly had um, your finger in a few pies up until now. You've, you've, you've got a few runs on the board. You've got some success behind you. You've got a couple of new things coming online. Um, you've probably faced your fair share of challenges along the way, but what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've had to learn? To be honest, I think the biggest one is I'm a very trusting person. Um, like I'll, I'll take people on uh, on their word, face value, um, but at the same time, the biggest thing I learned was you can trust but verify. Um, if somebody says, and that was that was a big learning from the states, it was a big learning from when we when we we had all that growth and that interest in in kind of 2017, 2016, um, 2016 actually, um, and we really shifted our focus from Australia overseas into international markets. It was very much we handed the ball to somebody else, and we trusted them to to keep running with it. We 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 built the momentum. That all they had to do was. Um, essentially, that they they hit the break in that line. All they needed to do was run and put the ball on the ground, and they they were, they were winning. It was great. Um, so it was really much doing the research, um, verifying that can these guys do what they say they can do, um, and then again learn those lessons. Um, we learned that lesson here in Australia, and then we we took that those learnings into new markets. And um, like for instance, like at Ursa, we had thirteen distributors. Um, that we're just banging down our door, but it's you really need to verify if we do an exclusive distribution deal with you for, for say Mexico or or Canada or even just a, a section of the of the US, can you deliver that? What's your marketing plan? Like, what's the plan that you're actually going to bring to the table to push these products? Because I see you've got fifty others on your website that look pretty, but they're not moving. Mm. So, and a lot of the time, it's uh, it's big big uh, value items, treadmills, things like that. So. These smaller consumables, um, they, they don't move as quick um, until you get obviously markets like like ours where they're buying in bulk and they're buying lots of them. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the biggest lesson learned: um, trust, but, but verify at the same time. I like that for trust sure. Verify, but and mate, you seem to have your you, you seem to be quite a diverse character as an entrepreneur. You know, you've got Ozfit uh, and and all the gear around that <laughs> and related brands. You've got. Kit Lee, which is, you know, very much about trust but verify, in, influencer verification. You've got, you know, the Coop, which is a, um, you know, a sophisticated co-working space. There's an enormous amount of diversity there. Uh, are you someone that likes a lot of variety in, in general? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. Um, mate, ordering ordering dinner at a restaurant takes me 20 minutes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, it's uh, 
Yeah, I like um, a bit, bit of everything, to be honest. But I, I like, like, as we touched on before, like I get a lot of ideas, um, but it's really separating out the ones and um, that really are going to drive an outcome. The ones that are ready for now, you could have many ideas. The one we touched on before, Fit Dollars, um, that was a brilliant idea and it worked in concept, but it was just too early. Um, maybe for now, if any listeners want to run with it, go for it. You'd be my guest. He's handing over IP. <laughs> um, but it's, um, yeah, now where, where airlines are struggling to see value in, in frequent flyer points, stuff like that, where every, every I've already had another email from Connor saying, hey, we're going to extend your, um, your, your, your status kind of thing because obviously you can't fly. Um, where else can I spend those points? Like I can't do too many orders from Qantas Wine in one month. Like I'm terrible <laughs> the size of a house before we get out of these lockdowns. <laughs> and so what else is on your radar? Like I know, you, you know, you, you, you've got your fingers in a few pies, you've got more stuff coming, but is there any, any other things on the horizon that you want to talk about? Um, at the moment, um, there's actually nothing, to be honest. Um, it's, it's, for me, it's, uh, I just got married. Um, it's, it's, settling down it's um it's taking time out for me like for instance thanks thanks it was, we're actually supposed to be in italy now actually tying the knot but that's not happening so <laughs> it's uh it's been a bit of a bit of a whirlwind trying to organize that um and then obviously push it push it next into next year but um no that's that's it i think i've, I've got enough for now um i know what my limit is and how much i can i can take on at one time um so yeah for now it's just focusing on on, on me, on my wife, Cheryl, um, we got a dog. It's, it's pretty much like a little family. So, and, uh, and that's it. Like for me, I'm, I'm not a, I don't want a, a Lamborghini. I don't want all those things. Like I'd be stoked just having a, um, a hut on the beach where I can go spearfishing and, and go skiing and stuff. Like just that's, that's me. That's happiness for me. So, um, that's, that's what I'm going to focus on and just do what we're doing well. Um, if the coop works brilliant, we might open a couple more locations. Um, Alexandria around kind of the Brookvale, something like that. Um, but no, that's that's it. And then obviously getting Kitley and Kitley business um, profitable um, is is the goal there. Hey, let me let me give you the tip. Byron Bay right now, co-working in Byron Bay is going off the fucking. <laughs> like there's a place here called Habitat. Uh, it's completely booked out, and they've got another yep. development that they're bringing through. And um, Byron Bay is bursting at the seams. Really? And I'm pretty sure there's a hut on a beach somewhere with your name on it up here, mate. And the spearfishing is fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, um, as soon as the lockdown came, we all got like, and I was sitting at this very desk. I think it was about two days in. I was googling places on the Sunshine Coast in Byron in Noosa, and I'm like, "Can we do it?" And um, yeah, it was it was really hard. Like we were we were so close to doing it, and well, uh, mate, that's man, I think how it's, it's got to happen. Yeah. It, it really has to. Well, that's how I did it. I was, I was, I've been wanting to move to Byron for the last 20 years, um, and I was very fortunate. I'm, I'm a natural, someone who natively gathers lots of intelligence and information, and COVID came on my radar January 4. We uh, ordered masks for our team January 19, came up with a buy threat security response plan January 24, and um, I, I left Sydney, yep. I think, two and a half weeks before lockdown because I knew exactly what was happening. So we did the shutdown before the government did, just like you did. But I was just like, right. And I just said, everyone that yeah. I know and all my clients, put yourself somewhere that you want to be for the next six to 18 months because chances are you won't be moving very fucking much. And I was like, ah, no, it'll all be fine. And yeah. uh, and sure enough, mate, I'll tell you what, yeah. lockdown, yeah, lockdown environment, what lockdown? We, we were still able to go to, you know, the only thing we couldn't do yeah. is eat in our restaurants. We had to get takeaway from our restaurants and there was no fucking traffic. The, 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 yeah, the lockdown did a lot for Byron. But, um, and it's going to be interesting, especially with Coop. Like I think it really is. This whole new era is changing the way people work, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be really yeah, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Well, mate, listen, Anthony, thank yeah, you. Like so the, the, go ahead, brother. Mate, oh, no, I was, I was just going to say, like, Byron, you, you've already sold me. Plus, there's, I've heard there's no parking tickets. So, stoked. Mate, <laughs> I'll be there next week. <laughs> that, that could be true. I'm not sure if there is parking tickets. All I know is I've never put money in a meter fucking once and I still don't have a ticket. So, uh, I'll, I'll go with the fact mate, that they don't hand them out. I'm done. Mate, I'm you're done. Up here. And when you're <laughs> yeah. up here, mate, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll take you out for a beer and, um, uh, and a good meal. But listen, Anthony, same, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's been phenomenal to uh, invest and find out more about you and your story. And we'll put a whole bunch of links in here for everyone to find out more. But um, yeah, thank you so much for your time, mate. Mate, my pleasure. It's been great. Enjoy, Byron. See you, mate. <laughs> thank you, brother. Until next time. This episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to see all of these interviews in the flesh. Share this podcast with your friends and drop me a review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you guys think and also let you know that your comments help make sure that we keep producing killer content just like this. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all of my movements, upcoming podcasts, events, and much more, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com and also check us out on all social media on the handle at Kerwin Ray. Thanks for joining us.